Peace be upon you. So recently I started watching a series entitled The Chosen, which is about the life of Jesus. And this one is not like any of the other movie depictions of Jesus in the past. For one, this series, it was crowdfunded and is free to watch online. Season two just came out a couple weeks ago, and so far it's written such a way that if a Christian is watching it, they'll have one interpretation of what's being stated. But someone who's Muslim will watch it and interpret it in another way. So it's designed in such a way that it's more authentic and more true to the biblical stories. But what makes this series so impactful is that unlike other movie depictions about Jesus in the past, this series attempts to provide a more authentic depiction of his life by providing color to some of the backstory and dynamics between Jesus, his disciples, and his spreading of the message. I would say comparing the Chosen's portrayal of Jesus to previous movie depictions of Jesus is like comparing Batman's portrayal in The Dark Knight compared to the 90s rendition of Batman when we had Michael Keaton and the Joker and Penguin and Mr. Freeze. The reason I'm bringing up this series is because of a scene in episode one of season two, which is an exchange between Jesus with two of his disciples, James and John. Before we get into the scene, it's worth mentioning for context that the day before, Jesus in this series asked James and John to till the farm of someone by the name of Malik, but did not provide them with a reason to why they were asked to do this. And before I provide the audio of this clip that I want to talk about, I want to read the passage from the Bible that this is uh, coming from, just to show how this series is taking these passages and bringing them to life. And the passage is from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 51 through 55. And it reads, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead, who sent into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him, because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Rabbi, do you want us to call fire down from the heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went into another village. So that's the backstory of this clip. That James and John the day before were tilling Malik's farm but didn't know why. And that they were in a Samaritan village where they were rebuked and cursed by people because they were part of the children of Israel. So now we're going to play the clip. Rabbi! Well, you couldn't wait, could you? We're sorry, we just uh, wanted to clear a few things up, if that's okay. By all means. You Jewish boys are far from home. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are. Shalom to you too. Here's our traditional Jewish greeting for you. Don't lift a finger. That was a warning. Try it again and see what happens. Quiet, Big James. Shalom to you too. You filthy dogs! I said quiet. Let us do something. And what would that achieve? Defending your honor. They reviled and humiliated you. They deserve to have bolts of lightning rain down and incinerate them. Yes, fire from the heavens. Fire? You said we could do things like that. Say the word and it will happen. Why not? We knew we couldn't trust these people. We shouldn't have come here in the first place. They don't deserve you. Why do you think I had you work Melek's field? What was I trying to teach you? To help? 
Do you think it was just to be more helpful? Or to be better farmers? It was to show you that what we're doing here will last for generations. What I told Fotina at the well, and what she then told so many others, it's sowing seeds that will have a lasting impact for lifetimes. Can you not see what's happening here? These people that you hate so much are believing in me without even seeing miracles. It's the message, the truth that we're giving them. And you're going to get in the way of that because a few people from a region you don't like were mean to you. That they're not worthy? What, you're so much better? You're more worthy? Well, let me tell you something. You're not. That's the whole point. It's why I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rabbi. As we gather others, I need you to help show the way. To be humble. We will. You wanted to use the power of God to bring down fire to burn these people up? Well, it sounds a lot worse when you say it that way. God willing, you found that clip as impactful as I did. And there's a lot of lessons in those short dialogue. But I want to focus on one. This aspect that James and John were so quick to dismiss and demand that God send down fire to disintegrate these people who were mean to them. And how Jesus put them in their place. Most people are quick to write off and dismiss others for their actions or opinions. But a believer should not fall into this trap. The traits of the believer is that they are patient, tolerant, and equitable. In Surah 41, verse 33 through 35, we read, Who can utter better words than one who invites to God, works righteousness, and says, I am one of the submitters? Not equal is the good response and the bad response. You shall resort to the nicest possible response. Thus, the one who used to be your enemy may become your best friend. None can attain this except those who steadfastly persevere. None can attain this except those who are extremely fortunate. As believers, we need to give individuals the benefit of the doubt, to treat them as potential believers who are just uninformed of God's message, and again, to be tolerant and kind with them. When God asked Moses to go to Pharaoh, he told Moses to speak to him nicely. In Surah 20, verse 43 through 44, it reads, Go to Pharaoh, for he transgressed. Speak to him nicely. He may take heed or become reverent. God is telling Moses to talk to one of the most despicable people who ever existed on this planet, this tyrant who killed the firstborn son of the children of Israel, who forced them into slavery, who committed all kinds of heinous acts that God is telling him, despite that, to speak to him nicely. Now, it's interesting. Pharaoh didn't take heed. 
Each time that it appeared that, you know, he uh, uh, was turning to God, he immediately reverted and became a worse disbeliever. But interesting enough, the wife of Pharaoh did take heed. We read in Surah 66 verse 11, it says, And God cites as an example of those who believed the wife of Pharaoh. She said, My Lord, build a home for me at you in paradise, and save me from Pharaoh and his works, save me from the transgressing people. Who's to say that if Moses and Aaron came out guns blazing, yelling, arguing, dismissing uh, Pharaoh off the bat, perhaps Pharaoh's wife wouldn't have taken heed. Perhaps she wouldn't have became a believer. These exchanges that we have go far beyond the individual we're speaking with. The other observers, the people that we're not even conscientious of, they might hear about how we're preaching the message, how we are behaving, how we are talking to other individuals. And that might be reason enough to divert them from the message if it's done in an unrighteous manner. And if it's done in a kind and compassionate manner, it might actually bring people into the message. And we know in the Quran that if we repulse people from this message through our behavior, we are responsible for a portion of their going astray. And that is a heavy burden to uphold. In Surah 4, verse 85, we read, Whoever mediates a good deed receives a share of the credit thereof. And whoever mediates an evil work incurs a share thereof. God controls all things. Another example about the importance of giving people the benefit of the doubt can be seen in the example of Jonah, who attempted to abandon his mission because he thought that there was no hope for the people of Nineveh. To put this in perspective, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, as well as the largest city in the world at that time. The Assyrians back then had an immensely brutal reputation of conquest and torture. And this was the reason that Jonah didn't want to fulfill his mission. And he thought that there was no hope for these people. What's the point of preaching to them? Yet despite this, God is informing us that the people did take heed and believed. We read in Surah 37, verse 139 through 148, it reads, Jonah was one of the messengers. He escaped to the loaded ship. He rebelled and thus he joined the losers. Consequently, the fish swallowed him and he was one to blame. If it were not that he resorted to meditation on God, he would have stayed in its belly until the day of resurrection. We had him thrown up into the desert exhausted. We had a tree of edible fruit grown for him. Then we sent him to a hundred thousand or more. They did believe, and we let them enjoy this life. We don't know of another messenger prophet that had this level of success that uh, Jonah did. And to think that he was dismissive of these individuals that he was uh, commanded to go and preach to, to remind them, to warn them, to try to bring them back to God's kingdom. And the reason is, is that we forget that we used to be like these people. There was a time when we were not guided, where we were astray. But by God's leave, God guided us. Even the Prophet Muhammad, before getting these revelations, he was committing idol worship. In Surah 40, verse 66, it says, this is the Prophet speaking. It says, say, I have been enjoined from worshiping the idols you worship beside God when the clear revelations came to me from my Lord and I was commanded to submit to the Lord of the universe. 
The Arabic word that's used in this verse that's translated as enjoin is naha. This word means to refrain from doing something that an individual was already partaking in. And this goes to show that we are all came in this world astray. And it's by God's leave that he guides us. And when we lose sight of that and we think that we're entitled to these blessings, to this guidance, and not realize that it's only out of God's mercy that we have this guidance, then we become dismissive of others and we can fall into acts of self-righteousness. In Surah 4 verse 94, it says, O you who believe, if you strike in the cause of God, you shall be absolutely sure. Do not say to one who offers you peace, you are not a believer, seeking the spoils of this world, for God possesses infinite spoils. Remember, you used to be like them, and God blessed you. Therefore, you shall be absolutely sure before you strike. God is fully cognizant of everything you do. One of the tactics of the devil is that he can cause us to forget. And in this regard, he can specifically make us forget what it was like before we had the guidance from God. Satan can use this to breed self-righteousness and to make us quick to condemn others who do not see things the same as we do. And when we start treating other people with a bar that is set higher than it is for when we came into the message, then we are being unjust to those individuals and ultimately doing a disservice to our own souls. But is there a time when it's appropriate to dismiss someone? Because in Surah 4 verse 94, it doesn't say do not strike. It just says you have to be absolutely sure. So do we have examples in the Quran when individuals are commanded that yes, they're absolutely sure that these individuals are to be disowned? During the time of the Prophet, he had many enemies. And because he was compassionate and kind and not mean-hearted, God made it clear to him that his uncle, Abi Lahab, was not one that he should be apprehensive to strike against. In Surah 111, it reads, Condemned are the works of Abi Lahab, and he is condemned. His money and whatever he has accomplished will never help him. He has incurred a blazing hell. Also, his wife who led the persecution, she will be resurrected with a rope of thorns around her neck. Abi Lahab was Muhammad's uncle and the leader of the opposition. His wife carried out a campaign of persecution against Muhammad and the believers. And after years of years of this persecution, did God in no uncertain terms let him know that these two individuals, that there is no hope for them. And at that point, it becomes clear that yes, he is obligated to disown and dismiss them. We see another example in that of Moses, that after speaking to Pharaoh nicely and spending all that time providing him warnings and repeated chances, finally, when it was clear that he was not going to believe under any circumstances, that Moses became certain that there was no hope for him. And we read Moses' prayer in Surah 10, verse 88. It reads, Moses said, Our Lord, you have given Pharaoh and his elders luxuries and wealth in this world. Our Lord, they only use them to repulse others from your path. Our Lord, wipe out their wealth and harden their hearts to prevent them from believing until they see the painful retribution. 
So here we have two examples where God is showing that these individuals are beyond reform, that there is no hope for them. And at that point, they're perfectly suitable to dismiss and disown. If we choose to dismiss someone, the metric by which we can assess if we are in the right of doing such actions is we can compare ourselves against Moses and Muhammad. Are we showing enough patience and resolve as these two righteous individuals have shown towards their antagonizers? Or are we just jumping the gun in order to just quickly dismiss and write off these individuals and pray that they get disintegrated by fire from heaven? Because if we're doing it correctly, we should always err on the side of being tolerant and forgiving. We see this in the example of Abraham, who God describes as extremely kind and clement, and also as a close friend to God, which is probably the highest honor any entity could ever receive. He had a father who spent his whole life worshiping idols and even threatened to stone Abraham if he wouldn't stop discussing the matter of worshiping God alone with him. That Abraham, despite all this, still prayed for his father's forgiveness. Despite that this was an error on Abraham's part, God shows that this was an error he made in the side of forgiveness and tolerance. In Surah 9 verse 114, it says the only reason Abraham asked forgiveness for his father was that he had promised him to do so. But as soon as he realized that he was an enemy of God, he disowned him. Abraham was extremely kind, clement. In any decision we make, we have a choice which side we want to be more conscientious of. Do we want to be on the side that we're going to be too quick to dismiss or too quick to forgive? From these examples, I believe if we have to err on one side, we should err on the side of forgiveness. God specifies this for us in Surah 42, verse 37 through 43, where it discusses the traits of the believers. It reads, They avoid gross sins and vice, and when angered, they forgive. They respond to their Lord by observing the contact per salat. Their affairs are decided after due consultation among themselves, and from our provisions to them they give to charity. When gross injustice befalls them, they stand up for their rights. Although the just recordal for an injustice is an equivalent retribution, those who pardon and maintain righteousness are rewarded by God. He does not love the unjust. Certainly, those who stand up for their rights when injustice befalls them are not committing any error. The wrong ones are those who treat the people unjustly and resort to aggression without provocation. These have incurred a painful retribution. Resorting to patience and forgiveness reflects a true strength of character. God is informing us that we have every right to stand up for our rights, to fight aggression and oppression wherever we see it. But God is also telling us that if we resort to patience and forgiveness, that this reflects a true strength of character. And ultimately, if we are high achievers, if we want to impress God, we want to rush to apply His laws, His commandments, we should always shoot for the best outcome and try to apply things the best we can. And that is by erring on the side of patience and forgiveness.
1989, Rashad Khalifa held his last United Submitters International Conference before his martyrdom the following year. In this conference, he provided each of the participants a brochure. And I want to read the cover of this brochure. It reads, Welcome to your conference and congratulations for being guided through God's grace to the only religion acceptable to God, submission. Divine blessings have been pouring forth at a breathtaking pace, and we need this conference to catch up, update our information, and unify our actions along God's blessed path. By divine decree, we are one eternal family. During the conference, we hope to set the example for ourselves, for our brothers and sisters, and for children to last until the following conference by God's grace and will. We must unify our contact prayers according to God's teachings in the Quran. We must unify our zakat practice, the fasting of Ramadan, and Hajj pilgrimage, and we must maintain the highest moral character throughout our lives. We have been immensely blessed by God, and we must exert the extra special effort to show our appreciation for God's gift and to make ourselves worthy of God's infinite grace. As a society of submitters, we must set the standard for moral and righteous behavior. We must be honest, trustworthy, truthful, chaste, loving, and peaceful. God and His angels treat every human being as a potential believer until the time of their death. Let us do the same. Let us love every human being as a potential believer who may become better than you and me in due time. This is no means the blind love. Our guide here is the Quran, Surah 60, verse 8 and 9. May God reward you generously for your time, effort, and financial sacrifices, your brother in submission to God, Rashad. God willing, let's take these lessons to heart. Let's be compassionate, caring, and treat other individuals as potential believers. Let's be quick to forgive and slow to anger. And if we're thinking about dismissing anyone, to make sure that we're applying God's rules in the Quran and we're not doing it hastily out of anger or spite. And God willing, I want to end this podcast with a prayer from Abraham in Surah 26, verse 83 through 84, where Abraham prays to God and says, My Lord, grant me wisdom and include me with the righteous. And let the example I set for the future generations be a good one. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store. And if you like the podcast, please leave us a review or share it with others. And until next time, peace and God bless. Rabbi, well, you couldn't wait, could you? We're sorry, we just uh, wanted to clear a few things up, if that's okay. By all means. You Jewish boys are far from home. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are. Shalom to you, too. Here's our traditional Jewish greeting for you. Don't lift a finger. That was a warning. Try it again and see what happens. Quiet, Big James. Shalom to you, too. You filthy dogs! I said quiet. Let us do something. What would that achieve? Defending your honor. They reviled and humiliated you. They deserve to have bolts of lightning rain down and incinerate them. Yes.
fire from the heavens. Fire? You said we could do things like that. Say the word and it will happen. Why not? We knew we couldn't trust these people. We shouldn't have come here in the first place. They don't deserve you. Why do you think I had you work, Melek's field? What was I trying to teach you? To, to help? You think it was just to be more helpful? Or to be better farmers? It was to show you that what we're doing here will last for generations. What I told Fotina at the well, and what she then told so many others, it's sowing seeds that will have a lasting impact for lifetimes. Can you not see what's happening here? These people that you hate so much are believing in me without even seeing miracles. It's the message, the truth that we're giving them. And you're going to get in the way of that because a few people from a region you don't like were mean to you. That they're not worthy? What, you're so much better? You're more worthy? Well, let me tell you something. You're not. That's the whole point. It's why I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rabbi. As we gather others, I need you to help show the way. To be humble. We will. You wanted to use the power of God to bring down fire, to burn these people up? Well, it sounds a lot worse when you say it that way. <laughs> 